0: Fight Bag with Libby's Nimer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown.
1: Did you know there are more than 8 million people in Canada who call themselves caregivers, providing care to a chronically ill, disabled, or aging family member or friend? Today, these caregivers are being honoured on National Caregiver Day. There is an event to recognize caregivers going on right now at Toronto City Hall. But other than marking the day and appreciating their efforts, what's really being done to support caregivers? Anne Max is a social worker at Baycrest Health Sciences, and she joins me in studio to talk about this important role of giving care. And welcome to the studio. Thank you
2: for having me if here. If you could get a little
1: bit closer to Thank the microphone. Thank you for having me here. The theme this year is connecting caregivers. So how important is it for caregivers to support each other and share their stories?
2: So one of the problems with being a caregiver is many feel very isolated, lonely. And need support. And often going to a support group or getting out with friends and other family members and having some bre- a break is what's really helpful and, and helps them cope with the situation.
1: What is the role of a caregiver? So what does it look like? What is the average caregiver doing day to day to support their loved one or loved ones?
2: It also depends on the stage of the illness. So at the beginning, it could be minor things like reminding the person who's, who's got dementia to take their medication or what day it is or, um, you know, just what their plan is for the day. As the disease progresses, sometimes you see wandering or behaviors. Sometimes people need more help with their care, so they might not know what clothes to put on. They may not know it's winter and they have to dress warmly. They may need help getting dressed. Um, They might forget how to do up their buttons. They may not be able to bathe themselves. They may not be able to cook if that was something they used to do or shop or help plan or prepare meals. So caregiving
1: is really an evolving role. You at the beginning of somebody's illness or deterioration, it just may be small things, especially if it's a husband or wife or partner. Uh, and every day, day by day, this role grows, and you become a larger part of the caretaking process.
2: Yes, and it also depends on the age of the caregiver. If you're if you're um, a person who has dementia and you're 65 or younger, your caregiver might be a spouse who's working. It could be you have children in high school or university who are still living at home. If you have an older caregiver in her 70s or 80s or 90s, they may have their own health issues as well. Yes. So the challenges also vary depending on the age of the caregiver and the person who's ill.
1: Ontario Premier Kathleen Wynne was uh, at a news conference this morning. She's been holding a lot of those lately as we get into the election campaign, and she mentioned that 70% of the care provided to those in need is provided by a loved one. That is a staggering statistic.
2: Yes, and I don't think many people really understand or appreciate the burden that these caregivers have unless unless you're in a similar situation. Because you can't really understand the um challenges. Yes. The day to day challenges. And very often, for example, if you're looking after someone who's up at night and doesn't sleep, then the caregiver doesn't sleep. So you're you're also could be exhausted. Oh for sure. It would be like having a newborn baby in some cases exactly. and not having anybody else help you. Exactly. And you have all your other responsibilities. Maybe you work, maybe you're still running a house, maybe you're caring for grandchildren. You know it it can go on and on, what support is available right now for these people so there's a number of different options, um, and I think respite for the caregiver is a priority, so of course, you can hire help to to be in the house with your loved one while you the caregiver goes out. I think also day programs are an excellent way of getting respite for the caregiver. And at the same time, the person with dementia gets out of the house and gets stimulated. Yes. And also the structure and routine of the day is extremely helpful. You specialize in that at at Baycrest. Yes. We have day programs at Baycrest specifically for people with dementia. The other thing we have at Baycrest is we do offer some support groups. We have, for example, creative writing workshop group for some caregivers we have a what's called a changing relationships groups for spouses of clients we also have a group for children who are caregivers and we also now have two online groups so if you can't leave your house or it's inconvenient to get out especially in the evening we have online groups for people like children of of clients with young onset or spouses who who are looking after their Young, you know, younger husbands and, or and wives.
1: The challenge will also be financial. So, how Absolutely. how much do these programs cost, or how much can you uh, tap into the government to assist you?
2: So, many of the day programs are subsidized. If you need, um, a couple of agencies also have some overnight respite programs, which which can be helpful if you need a night's sleep. Um, but finances are a big are a big concern for many people, especially if you're drawing on your old age savings, um, or else if you're still trying to work and hold a job, and you need to hire a caregiver to stay at home with your spouse, who still could be
1: young. And Max is a social worker at Baycrest Health Sciences, and she's joining me here on Zoomer Radio on this National Caregivers Day. Uh, National Caregiver Day. Uh, So if somebody is in a situation where they see their partner, their loved one, deteriorating because of a disease or mental illness, does the the first call go to you for assistance? Do you help people uh, figure out a way to cope? Is that how the process works? Yes.
2: We also have a program at Baycrest called Seniors Counseling and Support Program, and sometimes, when, for example, if people call in to Baycrest and they're like, "What do we do? Where do we start off?" We can help guide people to the appropriate resources both in Baycrest and outside in the community.
1: Okay, and we'll give some contact numbers uh, before we wrap up the segment. In the meantime, I'm looking for your stories. Are you a caregiver? Are you in a situation where you feel strained as a result of not having enough of you to go around to be there for your loved one? We want to hear your stories. Uh, Perhaps in sharing your stories, we can find you some support or you can get some better coping skills to deal with your ongoing situation, 416 or toll free one eight 740 4740 Let's start with Dave in Brampton. Hi, Dave. Hi, how are you? Fine, thanks. What's on your mind today? Well,
3: I'm a caregiver mm-hmm. of 23 years. It's a long time. Yes. Uh, now, the last 13, I've done basically most of it by myself, except that I do get to uh, one hour a day for uh, my wife to get washed. Otherwise than that, I feed her, I wash her. I, uh, she has a colostomy, I change that. I basically have to brush her teeth, everything.
1: What is her infliction, is it Alzheimer's?
3: Uh, no, she had a heart attack with cardiac arrest in 1995, which left her with some brain damage and uh, lack of balance.
1: So without you, uh,
3: she would not survive. Oh, she couldn't survive, no.
1: And how, how are you managing?
3: Uh, how am I handling it? Not yeah. bad now, really. Yeah? I've been on your program before with Libby. I'm the one that fought with uh, community access to get time to go to a doctor.
1: Wow. And did you get that time?
3: Oh, yes. Now they're afraid of me now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you have to be, and Oh, I guess you have to
3: be miserable. <laughs> and you
2: have, you to, have be to be your own advocate. You have yes, to be definitely. a strong advocate. To get some government services.
3: Yeah, yes. I, I actually Libby gave me the uh, to talk to. Uh, I can't think of her name now. She's running for the Conservatives there.
1: Oh, Christine Elliott.
3: Christine Elliott. She was yeah. the yes, the
1: former Patient Ombudsman.
3: Yeah, and uh, they they went after them too. So between C A R P. Uh, Christine Elliott and uh, myself, We this is what happened.
1: And what are you looking for now, Dave? Because certainly uh, you well, need more support. What am I
3: looking for now? Yeah. I can't look for anything. I really, my wife is uh, uh, incapable of doing anything. I don't know what I'm looking for, to be honest with you. Right. I'm doing, just coping the best way I can. I uh, take life as it comes and just joke as much as I can.
1: Well, a sense of humor does help. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you get out for groceries or do you order them in? How does? All... Uh, no,
3: I have uh, they do give me three hours to go sh- uh, shopping mm-hmm. on Saturday morning.
1: Okay. So with that I with that little done, bit of no help, problem. you you've got some time to yourself. very little time, but you yeah, do have very time. little
3: time. but I, uh, I do get out and do that.
1: Dave, thank you for calling in.
3: You're welcome. Have a good day. You
1: too. Let's go to Betty in Toronto. Hi, Betty. You're on Zoomer Radio. Betty, do you Hi have? There. you want to Just share to turn something down with us the
4: radio so I can hear you and you can okay. hear me sounds good um, yeah I'm calling it's a personal experience, but it's my younger sister who's a caregiver to my ninety three year old mother um, and in our circumstance, um, my sister has medical issues, and I can't be of any help because I have a very rare medical condition, and I have um mobility and physical uh, problems. So the only thing that I can offer her is um, to drive out to them and say, if you need to do something for yourself, I can stay here to make sure you're comfortable that you know someone's here looking at that with mom if there's an emergency. Right. Um, Other than that, there isn't anything I can help. And with her own medical... um, Issues between my mom's and hers, uh, between all their doctor's appointments and um, her uh, cooking all special foods for them and uh, keeping the house clean. Uh, All she seems to be doing is that and running errands. And um, I only get to talk to her like late at night. She'll be up till all hours in the morning uh, just so she has some... Um, clear headspace where no one's asking, right? Um, you know, uh,
1: where nobody for her needs to do her. More yes. Well, and I want to ask and uh, thank you for your call, Betty. I want to ask Ann about um, families working together, like in Betty's family, to spell each other off on on at, at some level.
2: Sometimes it is challenging, just like Betty was saying when one one child might be ill and can't help, I mean, as much as possible, um, we certainly encourage families to share in the responsibilities. Um, It often is one child who ends up assuming more, just for many reasons. Um, And sometimes, not in this situation that Betty just called about, obviously, but there are situations I've dealt with where if family dynamics were strained before the illness among siblings or between parents and siblings, sometimes it can be magnified when the parent is ill. And uh, even if there's financial issues, it becomes very much more complicated on top of dealing with the dementia and the illness and, and what happens with that. Sometimes it becomes even more Difficult to deal with. Well, when that these makes, other issues that
1: makes sense when you put in all those stressors yes. on top of a normal situation. Exactly. It's going exactly. to. Exactly, unfortunately, to I've seen
2: a lot of those situations. And what do you advise mm. people,
1: families, in that situation, like to try to work through stuff so it's not it's not uh, working as an obstacle to, to proper care?
2: Yeah, and sometimes sometimes it ends up that the person just can't be managed at home, and families have to look at other options like long term care or retirement home if the stress becomes overwhelming and uh, there just aren't any other options. That's kind of, for some families, a last resort. Um,
1: Let's talk about long-term care and making that transition to where uh, you may even, as a caregiver, not be providing a safe environment for yourself or your partner, and you have to, to face the facts that it may be time to make that change. What's involved in that process?
2: So, The major issue is um, that there aren't enough long-term care beds in Ontario. Um, And the waiting list for many facilities is extremely long. So we do advise people that if you're even considering long-term care, and if there's a specific place you're interested in that has a long wait, um to do the application sooner rather than later. The way to do it is to contact the Community Care Access Centre and the coordinator comes and does an assessment and can put an application in if they deem your relative to be qualifying and appropriate. But it's best not to wait for the last minute. Even the crisis placements which are often an option don't happen right away and families really struggle. 416-360-0740, 416-360-0740,
1: toll-free, 866 740 Your calls on this National Caregiver Day. We are sharing some stories. Let's go to Jerry in Toronto. Hi, Jerry. Welcome to Zoomer Radio. Hello. Tell yeah. us your story.
5: Uh, I was taking care of my sweetheart for uh, the last year, year and a half. Uh, she had diabetes and it was in the advanced stages. It was, um, she couldn't walk. Uh, Originally, it started out in her toe. And uh, the thing was, is she didn't want to get the amputation, the the surgery. And I tried to convince her back then to get it before it spread. And um, she was under the care of an agency that was outsourcing uh, support services. She was also in the uh, uh, TCHC housing. And, um, anyway, uh, they weren't doing anything for her except they sent a, uh, a doctor who had increased her medication up to 11 different drugs, which she was having complications from. And I told some of the people in charge that she couldn't go on blood thinners and other certain drugs that were affecting her. And she couldn't, she wouldn't assert herself with the doctor. Mm -hmm. She just let them kind of bulldoze their way uh into her life the same with the uh people they were sending they were supposed to help her clean up her apartment uh, i would clean up the apartment when i was there i'd come back it was in a in a state of uh disarray uh washing her clothes cooking her meals uh she was getting food from uh meals on wheels and this agency had cut her meals off that were being delivered and uh, she was basically starving herself. And she kept saying to me, oh, she had to get her blood sugar level down. And I said, no, you got to eat, or otherwise you're going to go into diabetic shock. No,
1: I understand. Right. It sounds very complicated, Jerry. Just uh, before we get on to the next caller, how did you manage as a caregiver? How did you get some relief uh, time to yourself to make sure you could recharge and rest?
5: Uh, it was very hard. Uh, when I had to go away and do things... Uh, I was hoping that the agency would be taking care of her, and when I come back, uh, she was in uh, almost like uh, going into comatose. Her place was uh, in the disarray, which is a bunch of uh, problems, and she was forced into the hospital against her will uh, a couple of days after I'd, I'd left to go and do some errands. And when I came back, uh, the, the, the Toronto City Housing had changed the locks. They had got legal precedents Oh, boy. Over her in the hospital on the uh, the um, emergency form. And when I tried to get information from the doctor and stuff, uh, they wouldn't talk to me at all. And her next of kin were in London, and they had the information, and they re- refused to contact them because they were basically saying, oh, we're going to put her in a care home, and she's got other issues, and uh, uh, we can't get her to cooperate with us. And right. basically. When Jerry, I, I don't terror, want
1: to. I don't want to cut you off, but it is. A, it isn't a long, involved story, and I appreciate uh, everything that you went through in well, the. Well, she
5: passed away when yeah. she was forced in the okay. hospital. Yeah, no, I'm sorry time. to hear that. I am and, sorry uh, to hear that. I spent 27 years with her. I knew her better than anybody else. Yeah. And and they just abused her, and now I'm trying to get some kind of legal action. Even the care in the right. hospital was awful. Yeah, I, and, and I, I observed a number of things that were just horrendous. I couldn't believe it.
1: Well, we appreciate your call, Jerry. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, And obviously, there are some very complicated situations where caregivers are taking loved ones in and out of the hospital uh, to different centers like that.
2: Yes, and uh, often waiting an emergency for a couple of days, too, which is also a challenge for someone who has dementia or multiple health issues.
1: Right. Uh, we are coming to the end of the segment here. I do want to get some phone numbers uh, for people, some uh, websites uh, for Baycrest. You mentioned as well the Community Care Access Center uh, where you can get some assistance. Uh, help us out with some of uh, some of the contact information.
2: Uh, it depends what area of the city you live in. Okay. So... Um, in North York, the number is 416-222-2241.
1: Okay, that's North York. That's for North the of Wilson.
2: Th- right. In Toronto, it's 416-506-9888. You can also Google it. They've actually changed the name. I think it's called Lynn... LHN Community right. Care Access Center. Yes,
1: the LINS. Yeah, the LINS. Yes.
2: Um, they just changed the names. I'm sorry, I didn't write the names down.
1: No, that's fine. Um,
2: and there's other, uh, if you Google it, there's other ones like in the East End or the West End.
1: Sure, under Community Care Access yes. Center and, as, and and in terms of contacting Baycrest.
2: So um, if you're looking for seniors counseling referral, it's 416-785-2500. Extension is 2223. You can also go to the Baycrest website to look at a number of the programs that we offer for caregivers and people with dementia. And that's www.baycrest.org.
1: Okay, let's just repeat the the numbers then. The number for Baycrest, 416-785-2500 extension 2223 or baycrest.org. and thank you very much. Thank you for
2: having me Thank you for
1: joining us on National Caregiver Day. I just wanted to offer you a news update before we take a quick break and begin our next segment. Uh, We have a news release, a statement from Chief Mark Saunders, topical to our earlier discussion about uniformed officers and pride participation in the parade. Uh, The chief says he had hoped to see his civilians and uniformed officers invited back to march in the 2018 Pride Parade. In light of the concerns that have been expressed to him, he will be withdrawing the application that has been made to the Organizing Committee of the Pride Parade for uniformed officers to take part in this year's parade. So at the moment, it does not look as though uniformed Toronto police officers will be marching in Pride. More on that story at the top of the hour with Bob Comsick in Zoomer Radio News. Jane for Libby, and coming up next, we're just going to lighten things up a little bit. And if you're looking for that added inspiration for a spring renewal, best-selling inspiration, Inspirational author Nina Spencer joins us next.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio, heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.